Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. San Quentin State Prison, north of San Francisco, is one of America's oldest and most notorious jails. With thousands of inmates and the country's largest death row, the place is so large it even has its own zip code. And it's also become home to one of America's favourite podcasts. Ear Hustle, a phrase which is prison slang for eavesdropping, is the first podcast to be created entirely inside a prison. And it's racking up millions of downloads, with recent polls putting it ahead of podcast favourites like This American Life and Radiolab in the popularity charts. Ear Hustle shares stories of prison life told by the prisoners and the guards themselves, covering topics like what makes a good cellmate, parenthood in prison and capital punishment. In a moment, I'm going to talk to one of its creators about how the show gets made and its success. But before I do, here's a clip from an episode of Ear Hustle called The Workaround. How do you make a fifi? What the hell is that? What is a fifi? I have no clue. <laughs> have you ever heard of a fifi? Yeah, I heard of a fifi. Yeah, my cell used to have one a long time ago. Yeah. I had a couple of them, actually. <laughs> You're now tuned in to San Quentin's Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. I'm Erline Woods. I'm incarcerated here at San Quentin State Prison in California. I'm Nigel Poor, a visual artist who volunteers at the prison. And together, we're going to take you inside. Today on the podcast, we're talking about looking good and feeling good in prison. Erlon, when I first came to prison, honestly, I expected everybody to be really scruffy. Scruffy? Sorry. You're like a little dog or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. But the thing is, I was wrong. Hell yeah, you were wrong. I know, I know. And I was really shocked because guys take great care of themselves. Of course we do. Really well put together. Of course we are. And a lot of guys, not every guy, but a lot of guys are in really good shape. Getting there. And <laughs> don't give up, B. And they obviously think about their hair, their skin, their clothes. We do. And in prison, it takes extra effort. You can't just go to the local mall. You can't go to the barbershop. You can't go to the shoe shine spot. There's a lot you can't do. Yeah, and it's not trivial stuff. Inside or outside, looking good is important to feeling good about yourself. That's right. There's a lot that can get you down in here, like long days, bad food, no women. One way to show yourself and everyone else that prison doesn't own you is to look your best. It's self-respect, self-preservation. So that's what we're going to hear about on this episode. How do guys do it? How do you keep your clothes looking sharp? How do you keep your skin clear? How do you get a good haircut? 
And also we're going to hear about what some guys do to escape this place in their minds. And how to make a Fifi. You know, people are going to wonder what a Fifi is. (laughs) Even some guys in here are going to wonder. Let them wonder. We'll get to old Fifi later in the podcast. Okay, so let me ask you something more mundane. What's up? I've heard there's a specific way in prison you have to brush your teeth. You don't spit into the sink. Yeah, in prison, you're living in these cramped quarters, so you want to keep the germs at a minimum, so you spit the foam in the toilet. What happens if you spit in the sink? It's very disrespectful and very uncleanly. (laughs) So so you're saying at home my sink is really dirty? No, I mean, it's just you and your partner probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and here it's you and a stranger. What else is different about brushing your teeth? Well, if you can afford it, you can buy some toothpaste and a nice toothbrush. But if you can't afford it, you get a flimsy toothbrush from the state and some tooth powder. Oh, tooth powder. (laughs) You mean like baking soda? Not even baking soda. It's like crushed up chalk. Uh, What's it do for the breath? Nothing. Nothing (laughs) at all. Hey, but it'll buff your teeth. It's the polish. It's the polish. (laughs) It's prison polish. Um, Okay, so keeping your teeth clean is different in prison, and so is getting the wrinkles out of your clothes, which is something you're going to want to do on visiting day, right? Yeah. Visiting day are pretty much on the weekends, and there are few irons in the housing unit. Two irons for like Mm -hmm. 800 people, you know what I'm saying? So you might not get your chance. But, as always, there's a workaround, and Jason Jones laid it out for you. That he did. Or did he iron it out for you? <laughs> he did. So if you don't have an iron, right, you use a uh, any kind of comb, right? And what you do is put your pants, lay your pants onto the bed, and you get the back of the comb, and you press hard and just straighten it all the way out, and it creates the crease, right? It creates the crease. You can do that with your shirt and everything. And then you um, unroll your mat at night, and put it up under your mat and just while you sleep, you sleep on top of it. So in the morning when you wake up, it's freshly creased. Do you have to like dampen them or anything? No, you don't have to dampen them. You can, but you don't have to. Wow. Yes. All you need is a comb and a mattress. What works even better if you, if you get some floor wax and you put it on the crease as you ironing it out with the, with the comb, as you're pressing it out with the comb, then it locks it in the crease. Yes, it even gives it like a shine. All right, Erlon. So your pants and your shirt are looking nice and crispy. But if it's visiting day and your hair's a mess, what are your options? Well, there's a lot of guys in here who cut hair. But if you really want to look sharp, you do what I did and shoot the shit with Big Zoe out on the yard. Big Zoe's Barbershop. Yeah, Zoe's Barbershop. Right now we're out on the patio. <laughs> Come out here. We while you're waiting, you can play some basketball. You can play tennis. I even got horseshoes for you. And you can get shitted on by, by seagulls sitting in a chair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all are welcome. Don't matter what type of hair you have, what race you are. I do it all. I cut white, black, Hispanic, Asian, curly, wiry, thin, nappy, wavy. I cut them all. Yeah, I'm about to give him a high top fade. No. He's gonna look like a marine when <laughs> I, I get to it. No, I don't want no high top fade. 
You every time people look at my hair after you done, they salute. They say how how a good job my barber is. <laughs> Shooting the crap for a minute, cutting their hair and getting them out to work, looking looking fresh. It makes a person feel good, you know. You feel good, making them look good, and they walk out looking good, so they feel good. And if you don't feel good, then I don't look good. Have you ever f***ed somebody Where's... up? <laughs> I f***ed you up before. Yeah, you did. That's why I said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And boy, was he hot. What I keep telling you, you can't sit there and talk and dictate what I do while I got the clippers in your beard. What's wrong with you? you I was know? This... No, 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 and, no, no. Tell and... the truth. I, he used to cut my I, hair, I, right? I ain't, I ain't and I used to lie. walk around and he used to get customers. Lie. It I'm, wasn't his I'm haircut, it was mine. off right now, because that dude had a bad ass beard and afro. Oh, man, he oh, was, man. I thought I was the billboard. Shut up. Look at you, you got handsome as me. Erlon, you still have that beard, but what happened to the afro? <laughs> well, I gained weight, and the afro for me, <laughs> it made me look bigger. Are you sure? It seems like it would balance nah, you out. Nah, nah. If I cut the beard, I'd really look skinny. All right. So that's the clothes and hair. Now let's talk about skin. Right. Guys in here have no wrinkles. I mean, I am serious. You can talk to a guy who's 60, and honestly, he looks like 40. How? <laughs> well, there's a saying that prison preserves you. Mm. Maybe it's, you don't see that much sun. I don't know. Part of episode 14 of Ear Hustle called The Workaround, and thanks to Julie Shapiro and the team at Radiotopia for letting me share that with you. And in case you're still wondering what a fifi is, uh, let's just say it's a special item the inmates have to make them feel a little less bored and lonely. Now, it's a little bit rude, so I think we'll probably just leave it there. Now, the two voices that you heard hosting Ear Hustle are Erlon Woods, who's serving a 31-year-to-life sentence for attempted second-degree robbery, and Nigel Poor. And I spoke to Nigel via Skype from California and asked her how she started working at San Quentin. I was interested in prisons, but I didn't want to just go in as an observer. And in my other life, I'm a professor of photography. And I heard about an organization there called the Prison University Project. And it's all run by volunteer professors, and they were looking for someone to teach. So I started volunteering, teaching a history of photography class. And I did that for three semesters. That was in 2011. And that's how I got, like, how I got into the prison. And that's how I got interested in doing other projects inside. And when did you meet Erlon, your co-host? So I met Erlon in about 2012. After I stopped teaching, I was working on a radio project there. And he was one of the guys that was working. He was super quiet. Took me a really long time to get to know him. But over, you know, about a year, we just started chatting and... Uh, I really liked him. I thought he was interesting. And we started talking about branching off from radio and doing another project. So I started talking to him about podcasting. And he had never heard of a podcast before. So that was the first thing like to explain what the heck a podcast is. And then we just started plotting our plan to do a podcast. And we happened to hear about Radiotopia, which is the podcast network that works with us. They were doing a contest to find a new podcast. And so on a lark, we decided to apply for it, submit an application, and then we won. <laughs> Amazing. And you started the podcast up, uh, I guess, with fairly modest ambitions. You didn't think it was going to be so popular, did you? 
totally modest ambitions. In fact, our first idea was we just wanted to air it inside San Quentin on the closed circuit station. And our big dream was to try to get it aired inside of other prisons. We didn't really think about it being heard by the outside population. But then when we heard about the pod quest and entered it, we started to think, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe we should think about it being on the outside. And we, we thought, you know, maybe a couple hundred people would listen, maybe a couple thousand. I mean, we really didn't know how popular it would become. I think it surprised everybody, you know, including the prison administration, Radiotopia and us. And we have something like over 12 million downloads now, which (laughs) to me is a shocking number. It's hard for me to kind of even imagine it. And listeners all over the world. All over the world. It's great. We hear from, I mean, recently we've got, you know, letters and emails from Zimbabwe and the Mauritius and obviously New Zealand and Australia, all over Europe, Hong Kong, Chile. It's just, it's, it's shocking to me. Why do you think it's been so popular? Because it's, I, I was trying to work it out what its charm and its appeal is. And it's, I mean, it's very audio rich. It's giving you an insight into a world that's normally closed. Mm-hmm. But it's you just get some great stories too, don't you? What do you think the appeal is? I think it's part of what you say that it's a closed society that people are very curious about. A lot of us have been really schooled by TV and movies. And so we have this expectation that it's this really scary violent place. And it's kind of a forbidden place. And I think people are curious about forbidden places. So there's that hook. But then it defies people's expectation of who's going to be in prison. And so I think that makes people curious too. And and I'd like to think that people, you know, want to have their, their assumptions challenged and kind of pricked. And so I think that's what grabs them. And then I think we've got really great storytellers, really unusual stories. And people like that. It's, 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 you know, it's entertaining, it's educational, and it's surprising. And that's kind of a great combination. Do you have particular themes in mind? Because you explore a kind of theme or a very broad topic in each episode, whether that's, you know, your cellmate or, or death row, which was a very powerful episode I listened to recently. How do you approach that? How do you get your themes? Or is it just happenstance? Is it just the kind of stories that you find? The idea is to tell the everyday stories of life inside and to try to to try to tell stories that also show commonality between inside and outside people. So that helps forge the connection. So Erlon and I and Antoine, um, who also works on the podcast, sit down and we have brainstorming sessions about topics that we want to cover. So first we come up with an idea, a very broad idea. Like, you know, we knew we wanted to do something about death row. We wanted to do something about family. We want to do something about food, relationships. So those very broad things. And then we'll start filtering down from there and thinking about characters, people who can tell stories really well. And once we find the person who can tell the story, we interview them. And then we try to form the actual narrative after that. But we want to tell stories that have a beginning, middle, and an end, and that are very character-driven. And beyond the, the person telling the story, San Quentin is also always a character within the story. I mean, I know that's an inanimate object, but it's still a big character. The, the prison authorities are obviously pretty supportive. There's a lovely scene in each episode where you have, I think it's Lieutenant Sam Robinson comes on and, and signs off each episode, and he sometimes has a comment, oh, I wasn't that happy about this, and it's, it's yeah. a bit of a running joke. We also want to thank Warden Ron Davis. And as you know, every episode has to be approved by this guy here. This is Lieutenant Sam Robinson at San Quentin State Prison. 
And I guess I have a problem with just episodes number three with this ear hustle because Looking Out, which was Pets in Prison, wasn't my favorite. And thus far, uh, with season two, this one is not my favorite. But as usual, I approve this story. What input do they have in the production of the, of the, of the podcast? Yes. Well, Lieutenant Robinson is integral to the project happening. He's the public information officer. And when I wanted to do the podcast, I first had to get his permission to do it. And he was fine with it. And when I told him about the podcast that we were going to enter, he was fine with it, but he didn't think we were going to win. And so <laughs> I think that was part of the supportive part, you know, because he didn't think it would actually happen. So when it did happen, he, like myself, was like, oh man, now we got to, you know, now we got to figure out how to follow do this. through. <laughs> Exactly. So his part in it is that he listens to everything and he has to okay it, which, you know, he says at the end. And what he's really looking for is anything that disrupts the safety inside of the prison. He's not giving us artistic input or narrative input, but things that would would cause harm for people inside. But we never feel censored. There has yet to be a story we couldn't do. We've done stories that kind of push the envelope a little bit, talking about things that happen in prison. But, you know, I should say we're not a muck-raking podcast. That's not our goal. Our goal is to tell the stories and let people on the outside, you know, kind of judge for themselves what they think is, is or isn't happening inside. But without Lieutenant Robinson and without the support of the administration, I mean, we just couldn't do this project. It's so difficult. And I feel... You know, I'm pretty thankful that they let us do it. And I'm surprised all the time by how much we're able to do. It's a really enlightened attitude, isn't it? Because I know in the past on our show, we've tried various times to get access to prisons to record material. And it's pretty much been shut down. It's been impossible for all the health and safety and security reasons you can imagine. But it kind of surprised me that you got such great access in there. Well, I think there's a few things that account for that. One, um, San Quentin has a history of, uh, we're not done, we don't call ourselves journalists, but there's a history of journalism happening inside the prison. So there's a newspaper that I think was originally started to be published there in the 1930s. It stopped for a while and I think has been republished since the 90s. They have the radio program. And the other thing about San Quentin is that it's in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is, you know, a a city. It's a very liberal city. And so there's something like 3,000 volunteers that go in and out of the prison every year. And so the, the prison itself is very used to outside people coming in and working on different projects. And I think that's what accounts for this being able to happen. There's plenty of other prisons in California that I don't think would let this, you know, would let this happen. And then I've spent, you know, I've been going into the prison since 2011, and I've spent a lot of time getting to know Lieutenant Robinson and the administration and earning their trust. And I think that's also helped too. But the primary thing is that they are used to these outside projects happening. Yeah. Well, what does it give you? I mean, going into prison and working Mm -hmm. there regularly like you do, it must change your perspective in some way on life outside prison and what it means to be free and and what has value and meaning? Or is that a bit too philosophical? No, not at all. I mean, going into the prison has really changed my life. I mean, as I said earlier, I'm a professor. I'm I'm also a visual artist, a photographer, and my life has changed radically. I, <laughs> right now I'm all about audio and, and working in the prison. And I wouldn't, you know, I spend 
during production, I, I spend four to six days a week in the prison and, and I'm probably working 40 to 70 hours a week on this project. And I wouldn't do that if I didn't find it one incredibly fulfilling and creatively challenging. It's made me question so many of the assumptions I've had about prison and the meaning of life and how people get to where they are and how you deal with difficulty. And I mean, I don't want to paint a picture like everyone in prison is this, you know, amazing enlightened being, but there are a lot of people in there that have, have spent a lot of time thinking about who they are and, and trying to find meaning. And it's really kind of changed my attitude about how you deal with things that are out of your control. How do you really have honor and accept the things that you do have and not fret about the stuff that you can't have in your life? You know, I think it helps you deal with, you know, with, with, difficult things that, you know, that can happen in anyone's life, you know, stress or medical issues, whatever it is to be around people who are, are always under pressure and dealing with it gracefully. It can't help but change your own attitudes. And the other thing that's interesting for me is it's an all men, you know, it's all men in there. And my life is not, you know, all about men. I'm used to being around, you know, men and women all the time. So it's interesting to just be in the world of men. I feel like I've learned a lot about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what it means to be a man, you know, in good and bad ways. And that was, that was never a place I thought I'd find myself. So I always get a little chuckle about that. Like I get to see the secret life of men. And, and one of the things I noticed, and you can't help but pick up on when you listen to the podcast is the lovely rapport you and Erlon have where he's kind of, you know, you perhaps come in with a comment that might be somewhat naive, let's say. And he manages, you know, he comes, he has a really lovely manner about him where he goes, oh yeah, that's okay, Nigel, but it's more like this actually you know yeah i i mean i think that's actually one of the things that makes the podcast work is our relationship and you know i feel like i've found this great creative partner and professional partner to work with we really enjoy each other we push each other we you know we get mad at each other and it's fine you know and like we don't have to censor each other with our questions or comments because we really trust each other so I can ask whatever I want. He's going to respond in in the Erlon way. And, you know, I'll do the same for him. You know, the other thing that's really funny, when we started this project, when I told Lieutenant Robinson I wanted to work with him, he was shocked because he said, that guy never talks. He's never going to say anything. And it's kind of true. You know, Erlon is a very quiet person, but in the podcast, he's not at all, right? I mean, no, he's just a, I would not right? have described him like that at all. <laughs> Nope. No, he was like the kind of person that at first you might not notice when you go into a room because he's very quiet, but he's always observing. And those are the kind of people I'm most drawn to, the people that are, are really good listeners and observers. And he's definitely that. I was going to ask, do you have a favorite episode or something you'd really like me to play or highlight? I do love so many of them, but one that stays with me because I think it was one of our first that showed a very different side of prison was the one about Roach, the man who loves animals. I love animals, oh yeah. Since I've been in prison, I've had black widows, tarantulas, a lot of grasshoppers, beetles. At San Quentin, inmates aren't allowed to have pets, but some guys get creative, like Roach here. Gophers, rabbits. I had four swallows, a toad, 
praying mantis, 21 snails, frog, red-breasted finch, whose arm broke, pigeons, I had a desert mole that was partially paralyzed, teddy bear hamster, just really lazy with an attitude, the centipede, and it was a wolf. It was a bad little monster. I had two fish that had babies twice. I had a tarantula broke out one time. My celly said, yo, spider got out. I love the part where we're asking the men, like, if you could be any animal, what kind of animal would you be? And they, you know, they have obviously all different answers, but all of their answers really express something about their concerns or about how they see themselves. If I could be any animal, I'd be a, a penguin. They're super cute in tuxedos, and they're like the coolest animals ever. And they slap box like crazy, too. I would want to be a panther, and the reason why is I like the, uh, the sleekness of the animal. Dog, because I know that someone would adopt me. A Galapagos turtle, because they live to be over 150 years old. Lion, because it's king. Marmot, because they're misunderstood. Everybody thinks they're weasels. And they're not. They're marmots. I want to be a water buffalo because it's diligent and because it says very little. It would be an eagle because they can fly. So that means I would always be free. I would always be safe. Tiger, because tigers love their independence. A jellyfish because it has no natural enemies. That's from episode three, Looking Out, and I was speaking to Ear Hustle's Nigel Poor. And you can find links to the Ear Hustle website and some photos of San Quentin and the production team in action on the Podcast Hour webpage now. That's at rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.